Jeremiah chapter 13, verse 1. Thus Jehovah said unto me, Go, and thou hast got for thee a girdle of linen, and hast placed it on thy loins, and into water thou dost not cause it to enter. A girdle is a piece of cloth that's wrapped around the long dress that the men wore, and it holds their waist together, so it beautifies the garment that they're wearing. And the Lord says, put the girdle on yourself, but don't let it get wet. So men were the first ones to wear girdles, and men were the first ones to carry purses as well. Women always end up imitating men's fashions. 2. And I get the girdle, according to the word of Jehovah, and I place it on my loins. It says he's placing it on his loins, which sounds like his private area to us, but the word loins could mean waist back then, and since it's a girdle, it had to be the waist, because that's where you would wear a girdle. This isn't a loincloth. This is actually a sash around the waist. But it would really stand out on Jeremiah because he is a mourning prophet, which means he's wearing a coarse camel hair garment or a sackcloth or some other sort of coarse, uncomfortable clothing, such as what John the Baptist and Elijah would have worn, which means that having this beautiful linen sash around his waist, it would be very noticeable. 3. And there is a word of Jehovah unto me a second time, saying, 4. Take the girdle that thou hast got that is on thy loins, and rise, go to Frat, and hide it there in a hole of the rock. Frat means Euphrates. The Lord is telling Jeremiah to go near the river of the Euphrates and hide this piece of linen sash in a crevice in between rocks. 5. And I go and hide it by frat, as Jehovah commanded me. 6. And it cometh to pass, at the end of many days, that Jehovah saith unto me, Rise, go to frat, and take thence the girdle, that I commanded thee to hide there. So after a long time, it could have been a few weeks, but the Lord commanded Jeremiah to go back where he had hidden the linen garment and retrieve it. The Euphrates is one of the four rivers that was flowing out of the Garden of Eden. The Garden of Eden was hidden by this time, but the four rivers that flew out of it still existed, and one of them was Euphrates. Some people believe that the Garden of Eden got eventually hid under water in the Red Sea, because those rivers seem to be coming out of the Red Sea. 7. And I go to Frat, and dig, and take the girdle from the place where I had hid it, and lo, the girdle hath been marred, it is not profitable for anything. This linen garment is now destroyed because it was hidden under rocks and dirt. It's not worth wearing anymore. 8. And there is a word of Jehovah unto me, saying, Thus said Jehovah, 9. Thus do I mar the excellency of Judah and the great excellency of Jerusalem. This has been a word picture for Jeremiah to share with the people. The Lord always has prophets enact out 
what they're prophesying. And you never see prophets on the internet doing that today because they're not real prophets. They don't have to give up their betrothed. They don't have to go bury a linen garment by the river because they're not real prophets. But Jeremiah had to enact all of this out. The Lord is now telling Jeremiah that just as that linen garment is no more able to be worn, the land of Judah will no more be able to be inhabited by the Israelites. And he's also going to destroy Jerusalem as well. 10. This evil people who refuse to hear my words, who walk in the stubbornness of their heart and go after other gods to serve them and to bow themselves to them. Yea, it is as this girdle that is not profitable for anything. The people of Judah have become unprofitable to the Lord. They don't serve him anymore. They don't help grow his kingdom. And that's similar to Christians today who refuse to obey the Lord and serve him. They're not growing the kingdom of God. Their spiritual lives are stagnant. They're not living for God, and they're missing the big picture because eternity is coming. And if we don't start living for eternity, we're never going to make it to heaven. And then we'll be so sorry for all the time and effort and energy that we wasted on less important things while ignoring the Lord. 11. For as the girdle cleaveth unto the loins of a man, so I caused to cleave unto me the whole house of Israel and the whole house of Judah, an affirmation of Jehovah, to be to me for a people and for a name and for praise and for beauty, and they have not hearkened. A girdle beautifies your garment. It makes your garment look so much more attractive because it lines the body better, and girdles themselves could be made into colored pieces to add a splash of color. The Lord says, Israel was like a beautiful sash that I wore, and I built it up and gave it a name and made it a place of praise. But they have made themselves hideous and ugly with their idol worship. 12. And thou hast said unto them this word, Thus said Jehovah, God of Israel, Every bottle is full of wine, and they have said unto me, Do we not certainly know that every bottle is full of wine? 13. And thou hast said unto them, Thus said Jehovah, Lo, I am filling all the inhabitants of this land, and the kings who sit for David on his throne, and the priests, and the prophets, and all the inhabitants of Jerusalem, with drunkenness. The Lord tells Jeremiah to tell the people that all of the wine bottles are full, and then they're going to ignorantly say to him, We already know all of our wine bottles are full, so what? Then the Lord is going to have Jeremiah say that this is a metaphor for what I'm going to do to you. I'm going to give you the wine of my wrath. Whenever the Lord tells people that he's going to get them drunk with his wrath, that means that they will be unable to protect themselves or to control what's happening to them. Because that's how it is when you're drunk. You have no control over your own body or the judgments that are going to be made by you or for you, and you end up falling into a pit. 14. And have dashed them one against another, and the fathers and the sons together, an affirmation of Jehovah. I do not pity, nor spare, nor have I mercy, so as not to destroy them. 
the Lord says the Babylonians are coming and they're going to kill father and son. They're going to smash your heads together and kill you that way. I won't have mercy. I'm going to allow this to happen. Remember, this is a very long time coming. This is up to hundreds of years coming where the people of Judah had refused to repent for generation after generation. And it's to show the whole world that God never stopped being God just because the Israelites stopped worshiping him. And this is something that you and I need to know as well. God won't stop being God just because we want to live a worldly life. He won't be our doormat. He won't have mercy on us if we're going to hedonistically live and still call ourselves Christians. The Lord gets more angry at Christians who disobey than at secular people who disobey. The Christians will get greater judgment because they mock the Lord by saying they're Christians and refusing to live for him. 15. Hear and give ear. Be not haughty, for Jehovah hath spoken. He says, listen to me, don't be stuck up, because I'm greater than you are. 16. Give ye to Jehovah your God honor, before he doth cause darkness, and before your feet stumble on dark mountains, and ye have waited for light, and he hath made it for death shade, and hath appointed it for thick darkness. There is a warning to the people. He says, you cannot prevent this judgment. But if you repent before the Babylonians get here, I'll have some measure of mercy on you. So repent now before judgment. It compares the judgment of the Lord to a dark sky, which is going to happen because when the Babylonians come and raise the battle flag, the sky will get dark with the dust from their army coming in and the dust from battle. Battle scenes are always cloudy and dark and murky looking. 17. And if ye do not hear, in secret places doth my soul weep, because of pride, yea, it weepeth sore, and the tear cometh down mine eyes, for the flock of Jehovah hath been taken captive. This is Jeremiah speaking, and he says, If you don't repent, I am going to be weeping bitterly for you. 18. Say to the king and to the mistress, Make yourselves low, sit still, for come down have your principalities, the crown of your beauty. The Lord says to the king and the queen mother in Judah that they must humble themselves before the Babylonians if they want to be spared. The king spoken of here is Jehoiachin and his mother Nehushta. She would be what we would call the queen mother. She didn't have any power, but she was part of the royal family. She was probably captured by the Babylonians as well, and the Lord is commanding that they submit to the Babylonians. Jehoiachin was a puppet of Babylon. A puppet is when somebody is in a position of highest power, but they're actually under the control of handlers, and they just do what they're told. Really, the ones in power are the handlers of the puppet. Not mentioning any names, but you can think of countries around the world where there are puppet leaders who are definitely not the ones in control. And Jehoiachin became a puppet because his brother before him, who was Jehoiakim, 
displeased the Babylonians. They had tried to set him up as a puppet, but he didn't comply like he was told, good enough for the Babylonians' pleasure. So then they put his brother in his place. The last king of Judah will be Zedekiah, and we'll learn about him as well. But evidently, the Babylonians, they've already decided to haul out Jehoiachim because they're done using him. 19. The cities of the south hath been shut up, and there is none opening. Judah hath been removed, all of her. She hath been removed completely. On the southern part of the land of Judah, the Babylonians had already come in and taken over the cities. 20. Lift up your eyes, and see those coming in from the north. Where is the drove given to thee, thy beautiful flock? This is the Lord saying that his beautiful flock of sheep, which is his people, are going to be taken by his enemies, the Babylonians. 21. What dost thou say when he looketh after thee, and thou, thou hast taught them to be over thee, leaders forehead? Do not pangs seize thee as a travailing woman? And again, the travailing woman metaphor is always of a nation in trouble. Because when you're in labor, you have no control over what's happening to you. Jeremiah is saying that the people of Israel should have dominated Babylon, but it's the other way around. Babylon is going to dominate the people of Judah and Israel. 22. And when thou dost say in thy heart, Wherefore have these met me? For the abundance of thine iniquity have thy skirts been uncovered. Have thy heels suffered violence? They can't stop that the Babylonians are coming, just like you can't stop your labor once it begins. But then the Lord extends the metaphor and says, The reason you're in labor is because you acted like a prostitute. It's a graphic image, but it's of a woman who's allowing herself to be raped or used as a prostitute, which is what Israel spiritually was doing with the pagan nations around them. They were participating in paganism. 23. Doth a Cushite change his skin, and a leopard his spots? Ye also are able to do good who are accustomed to do evil. A Cushite is somebody from Ethiopia, so that's a black person. It says, Can a black person change his skin to white? And the answer is no. And can a leopard remove the spots from his fur? And the answer is no. They have no control over the way that they look. This isn't downgrading Ethiopians or leopards. It's just saying you can't change yourself. But going along with the metaphor, if we repent of our sins, then the Lord himself can change us. So the Lord is saying, you can't change what you have become, but I can change you if you repent. And that's why it says, you're able to do what's right, so now you must do what's right, even though you're accustomed to practicing evil. They can't change their plight that the Babylonians are coming, but what they can do is they can repent. 24. And I scatter them as stubble, passing away by a wind of the wilderness. The Lord is going to scatter the people of Judah all throughout the land of Babylon. 25. This is thy lot, the portion of thy measures from me, an affirmation of Jehovah, because thou hast forgotten me and dost trust in falsehood. 
26. I also have made bare thy skirts before thy face, and thy shame hath been seen. He says, You prostituted yourself to the other nations, because you worshipped their gods. Because you forgot all about me, I'm going to turn you into a prostitute against your will. I'm going to cause you to be naked before your enemies, and they'll be able to do with you whatever they want. This is a metaphor, but it makes sense. He said, you wanted to be their sex slave? Then go ahead, you will be their slaves. The Babylonians are going to capture the people of Judah and take them back into Babylon as slaves. 27. Thine adulteries and thy nains, the wickedness of thy whoredom, on heights in a field, I have seen thine abominations. Woe to thee, O Jerusalem, thou art not cleansed. After when is it again? The Lord says, I saw you committing spiritual adultery up on the hills where you worshipped those gods. The metaphor is continuing, showing Israel as a prostitute up on the hills, giving herself over to the other nations who worship false gods. And he says, Woe to you, because you did not cleanse yourself, you didn't repent of your sins. And that concludes Jeremiah chapter 13.